do what works for you. Everything isn't for everybody. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. If you haven't checked out yesterday's show, go and do that now where I looked at the Yahoo initial rankings and looked at players that I thought were too high and players that I thought were too low. In general, there's uh, they're pretty good, the Yahoo ranks. They're, they're not far off. You know, where a lot of guys, I think there are, there's still quite a few players that I thought were either too high or too low, but it wasn't egregious. Today, we're looking at ESPN. And speaking of egregious, this is where we're at. There's a lot of things here that make very little sense indeed. And if you're drafting against people who just use the ESPN default ranks as a Bible, you will have an absolute field day, in my opinion. So it is really important that you understand where things are. Well, well not understand what I think. Maybe that's true. Understand what I think. Don't necessarily agree with it, but understand what I'm saying when I'm talking about guys who I think are too low or too high and the reasonings behind that. And I think you'll be able to have a very successful fantasy draft if you do follow that. Michael Bolton, he's all caught up on Yahoo. He wants to know about ESPN now. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. Let's start with the players on ESPN that I think are ranked too highly over there. We'll start with one number five, LeBron James. LeBron James. Um, yeah, look, just this is pretty clear um, to me. I don't know why you'd be having James at number five last season. He was nowhere near that area. He had that year, uh, the, the last season with Cleveland, where he was the fourth overall player. Um, played 37 minutes a night. The year before that, he was the ninth overall player, playing 38 minutes a night. I don't even think that LeBron is necessarily a... Um, a first-round block player this season. He wasn't last year, and that's on a per-game basis, 15th overall last season. I can see him playing those same 35 minutes a game again this year. Yeah, having Anthony Davis there to help him a little bit maybe takes a, a bit of a smidge off the usage here, the usage of 33% last season. I can see that falling down. I think his assists will come back up, uh, especially without Lonzo Ball there and no other point guard in the mix, so that will help him. But I don't think that LeBron James is worth the number five overall pick in a fantasy league. I think that he'll be picking his spots more as he should at the age of 35. And we saw a little bit of a decline in LeBron. Some of that was injury related, no doubt. Some of it wasn't. Some of it just was a new team and the fact that he's just not that Superman anymore. And I think spending a top five pick on LeBron is probably not a great use of your resources at at, uh, at that early spot in the uh, in fantasy drafts. And nailing your first round pick, you can't really great gain heaps of value in the first round, but you can definitely screw it up. And I think taking LeBron at five for as excellent as he is, and we all know how good LeBron is as a player, taking him at number five, I believe, would be screwing up that pick. At number eight is Russell Westbrook over on ESPN. I, I don't understand it at all. He's now playing alongside James Harden. His field goal percentage, it might go up this season, but his free throw percentage was an absolute disaster the last two years. His turnover rate is still pretty high. I think his assists, I think his scoring can go down. I actually think his rebounds will go down this season as well. And that's obviously going to have uh, an impact on his numbers this year. I just don't see how we could look at Westbrook as being anything more than a mid-second round guy. In a points league, yeah, he can jump back up, but... 
yeah, in a category league, you're definitely not spending the eighth overall pick on Russell Westbrook. It just makes no sense to do that. Number 11, they've got Andre Drummond. I don't really understand the point of that either. We know what Drummond is. Where is he getting better from where he is? Maybe if Blake Griffin gets hurt for this season, we can see him push back to three and a half or four assists per game. But taking someone at number 11, hoping that one of his teammates gets injured is, again, a poor use of resources. 18th last season for Drummond, 19th the season before. It uh, doesn't make a huge amount of sense to go with him there, nor does it make all that much sense to go with Rudy Gobert at number 13. Now, Gobert's fine. He provides that interesting mid-round value. I think he loses a, a couple of touches a game in this one with, with Mike Conley around. Will he be able to maintain all of his other numbers? There's just no way that that pick of number 13 for Gobert. Now, Gobert's had a career-best season last year at number 22. Um, I, I, equal career best. I just don't see how he improves enough to be worthy of a you know, what is basically a first-round pick. ESPN has also gone super hard on Zion Williamson, having him at number 18. Zion could very easily be the 13th, 14th best player this season. There's no doubt about that. But we have to assume that his field goal percentage will carry over, his high rebounds will carry over, his steal rate will carry over, his block rate will carry over, he'll be an improved shooter. All those things need to happen. So taking him at 18 or ranking him at 18, it's, there's just no value in it. I just don't understand getting Williamson at number 18. Now, I think he's going to be really, really good this season. I don't have really too many concerns, and I think he probably is worth, at the very least, a third-round pick, and back end of the second, I, I don't hate it, and the way he came out of my projections came out about that area, but that's not saying I've got a lot of confidence in it. I just think 18 is too high, much as I do with Clint Capella at number 20. Like so many of these big men that ESPN have got ranked at this area, um, I don't get it. I don't understand what they're, they're basing it on. Uh, ESPN default leagues are eight cat uh, leagues. And may, maybe they're using these rankings based off points leagues. I don't think they are because they do have roto rankings on the site. And when you go into a category league, these are the pre-assigned rankings that come up. So it's not like I've just gone to it. When you go into a draft room, this is what comes up. Now, ESPN's rankings are, are pretty all over the place a lot of the time, but you can go in to a, a draft room and find these rankings. But if you go to another page that says rankings, they're different. But then if you go to another area that's research, they can be different again. But these are the ones that I found across multiple areas, including the draft room. Capella was the 27th ranked player overall last season. He's almost undoubtedly going to lose some usage to Westbrook, but more importantly, he's going to lose some rebounding numbers, and that's not going to allow him to get better this season. And 23, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, I've talked about Aldridge uh, quite a bit uh, on yesterday's show. I just don't see him getting back to to an area where he is uh, equal to last year or perhaps better than last year. I think he can still be a 21 and 8-ish sort of guy. DeJounte Murray will take some rebounds off him. He was the 26th ranked player last season on 21 and 9. Aldridge, I just don't see him necessarily being... Or that's not, not that I don't see him re- replicating that. It's just that I, I see other guys being ahead of him. And that's what rankings are. It's all relative. You can put up the, exactly the same numbers as you did the year before. But if five people pre- perform better than you, then you slide down. So I don't think that Aldridge at 23... He's not as egregious as these other ones on this list. But I still don't think that I would be taking him at 23. Although in a Roto League, his mix of field goal percentage and free throw percentage being high it can be really valuable. If you do play fantasy football, make sure you are listening to Locked On Fantasy Football and Vinny Iyer give you the edge and make sure you're following Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. All right, let's go on to the next group of guys who I think are ranked too high. 
Um, at number 25, Tobias Harris of the Philadelphia 76ers. I think that Harris might struggle to be a top 50 guy this season. Embiid, Simmons, Richardson, Horford, all of those guys are going to take shots. Uh, Tobias Harris has never been a top 25 player at any point in his career, and I, I think it's pretty laughable to be taking him at that area to expect that to happen. I just don't see it with him. DeRozan at 27, similarly. I think DeRozan might actually struggle to be a, a top 50 player himself. Does he lose some rebounds to Murray, which were at a career high last year? Does he lose some assists to White and Murray coming back? Uh, does the glut of guards and forwards now, or small forwards now in San Antonio, mean that when he does suck on defense like he did in the playoffs, that Popovich will be able to limit what DeRozan does? There is a possibility of that as well. Yesterday, in the Yahoo video, I talked about Larry Markin and looking like he came in as a bit of a bargain on Yahoo. On ESPN, I think it's a bit of the opposite. He comes in ranked 28th, and I just don't understand that massive step forward that they're expecting. For Markin to be at that level, he'd need to average 25 and 12. He'd need to somehow double his block rate and become super efficient. And all those things, to me, seem like they're going to be pretty hard to get to. And another one that I think is too high in these big men, the ESPN rankings really do love the big men, which is weird, considering, again, their default uh, numbers uh, 8K, which tends to drop the big men's rankings down a bit. Julius Randle. Now, Julius Randle, like Markkinen, he will score. He's, he's a good rebounder, but he gets no defensive numbers. Uh, his three-point volume is pretty low. You can say that he's the best player in the Knicks, and I 100% agree with you there, but that still doesn't mean he's coming out and playing 36 minutes a night. Nearly everyone in that starting lineup is going to want to chuck shots as much as possible. Kevin Knox, if he is in that, which I don't think he will be. Marcus Morris, uh, RJ Barrett, uh, Dennis Smith, all of these guys are going to want to chuck shots. Bobby Portis, when he comes in, we know that he's not shy of uh, of taking a swing on a few things. So Randall coming in and saying, oh, he's just going to dominate. He's going to get out there. Yeah, he probably will still average 21 and 8 like he did last season. But I don't think he's coming in and playing 35 minutes a night. I don't think magically his defensive numbers are coming up. But I do think his assists will rise. And I think this is just too high for Randall. DeMontis Sabonis at 36, also uh, too high for me. Um, yeah, look, he's in a larger role this season. But not as we saw with Fight and Will Barton and some of that was injury, Moving from a bench role where you're the main offensive focus and you get everything coming through you into a starting role where there are players who are better than you or are going to take shots over you is not necessarily a good thing. That happened with Barton last season where he went from that sixth man where he would run the second unit into the starting lineup where he struggled. Injury aside, he struggled. And Sabonis is going to do the same thing where he was the guy on the second unit that everything would funnel through. And now he moves into the starting lineup. So yes, will he probably play more than 25 minutes a game? I have no doubt about that. He'll probably play significantly more. But does that mean that that 24% usage will stick at that level or will it drop? Will he be able to he still averaged the, those, uh, what did he average per 36 in terms of assists? 4.2 assists per 36 when there are other guys like Brogdon in the lineup and Oladipo when he returns, he'll be able to pass as well. I'm not so sure he'll be able to do that. So expecting him to take this wild leap into the top 40 uh, is not something I want to be banking on. Hassan Whiteside of the uh, Portland Trailblazers, he's going to be starting over Yusuf Nurkic, no doubt about that. Well, that, uh, not over Yusuf Nurkic. Well, Yusuf Nurkic is out, but that's not going to be all season. I think expecting Whiteside to get back to being as good as he has been in the past is a struggle, and he'll see his minutes dramatically reduced uh, when fantasy playoffs come, and you don't necessarily want that when you're drafting someone in the third round. Will he provide blocks and rebounds? Absolutely. Will his field goal percentage be strong? Probably. His assists and threes and steals will be non-existent, and his free throw percentage was absolutely piss poor last season. Although, I can see a situation where his free throw percentage does bounce back if he's in a happier environment. One that 
that I can't defend is DeAndre Jordan at number 38. There is absolutely no situation you should be drafting him anywhere near the top 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. I don't think he's going to start in Brooklyn. Even if he does start, he'll be splitting minutes with Jarrett Allen. This is not a guy that even in his pop, his prime would you be really looking at at number 38. So I just I, I cannot understand the selection of DeAndre Jordan at number 38. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. The next look group of guys, Jar Morant at 46. I think Jar's going to be fine this season. I think he's going to put up some numbers, but 46 is just super aggressive. Now, this guy could be a top 50 player over the final three months of the season. I'm not drafting him for that because he could be outside the top 150 for the first two months. The field goal percentage is going to be a real worry. Will there be moments where Tyus Jones gets minutes over him because rookie point guards, they normally suck, and Morant is a rookie point guard, so there is that risk there. That's just too high of a risk for me. Marcus Gasol at 53. No reason for him to be that high. It just doesn't make sense. Again, splitting those minutes with Serge Ibaka. Uh, when he was in Toronto last season, he played like 25, 26 minutes a night. Maybe he plays 27 or 28. That's still not enough for Gasol to be at 53. The table, Montrez Harrell at number 54. I think Harrell might struggle a little bit in terms of maintaining the same level of usage. His defense can be a problem at times. There's still Ivica Zubats there. So I think Harrell's upside to get better from where he was last season is pretty limited. He was excellent, but he also put up career-high block numbers, which I'm not sure will sustain. And if that comes back down and he doesn't sustain that usage and doesn't sustain that level of production, then that's obviously not worth the pick. RJ Barrett at 58 is absolutely laughable. There is no, there's no way. A guy that can't shoot free throws from the field or from, from three, we don't know his role, how he's going to fit in as rookie. That, that's absolutely laughable. 59, Willie Cauley-Stein. Well, I don't think he's going to be the starter in Golden State. He's never been a top 100 player at any point in his fantasy career. So I see no reason for that to begin now. He doesn't block shots and the minutes I think are going to be fairly reduced here. He, he probably will start, but he's not going to be the main minute getter. I don't don't know. Did I just say he won't start? I think he will start, but Kevon Looney is going to get more minutes there at center. Yusuf Nurkic at 67. Come on. He's out until February. Absolutely no way. It makes no sense. And 69 for Serge Ibaka. Giggity. Much like Marcus Gasol, they're going to be splitting minutes. I don't think either of them finish inside the top 100, so there's no reason to take either of them inside the top 100. I just don't see the purpose of either of those rankings. Make sure you guys are checking out Locked On NFL, former NFL scout Matt Williamson, along with Brian Peacock, hosting the show. It's going great. Go and follow it on your favorite podcast provider. All right, let us go on now to the next group. This is the last bunch of guys I think are ranked too high. Paulie Millsap at 73. Jeremy Grant coming across is going to eat into Millsap's minutes. And plus, Millsap wasn't even this good last year. It's it's nonsense. 75 for Rudy Gay. Greg Popovich is probably going to bring him off the bench again. The addition of Damari Carroll gives another swingman forward there. DeRozan's going to be playing the bulk of his minutes at the three as well. I just don't see enough minutes coming for Gay for him to get anywhere near that number. Derek Rose at 81. Come on, guys. He's not going to continue that level of shooting from the first two months of last season. Maybe he continues the one of 80 he had in the 2019 portion of the season. He just isn't going to get this playing time to be that guy. Thad Young at 83. He's a backup in Chicago behind and behind Wendell Carter. We know what Thad Young can do uh, in terms of steals when he gets out there. But is he really going to be playing 35 minutes a night? I think the chances of that are almost uh, nil for him to be able to do that. So there's just, again, no upside in taking him there at 83. Punch Bob at 86. What? Why are we looking at... If we're having Julius Randle that high, that means we're obviously minimizing Porter, so you can't have it both ways. Mitchell Robinson, Porter, Taj Gibson, Marcus Morris. There's just not enough minutes for a guy who doesn't provide anything defensively in Bobby Portis, and all he does is chuck shots. It's just not going to be big minutes for him there. And much like Jar Morant being too high, Zion Williamson being too high, 
um, RJ Barrett being too high, DeAndre Hunter in the top 100. I think there is a greater chance of DeAndre Hunter never having a top 100 season in his entire career than being a top 100 player this year. I just, yes, I think he's going to start. I just, how many rookie? I think we get two top 100 rookies, and I don't think Hunter, Hunter is particularly close. I think he might come close to the top 150, and maybe he surprises me. But again, there is zero upside in taking DeAndre Hunter at number 99. I just don't understand it. And lastly, in the guys I think are ranked too high, Jabari Parker at 105, John Collins is back up, who again provides no defensive numbers. I think he can come off the bench and be a 22, 23 minute a night sort of a player and can be like a nice 14 team league player. But picking at number 100 again, he's just a waste of that selection. Now it's time to go onto the other side of the, the, the list and look at players who are ranked too low. And I think there's quite a few more here to talk about. At number 12 is Steph Curry. Steph Curry is in the discussion for number one. That's all I need to say here. At number 12, if you are getting Steph Curry at number 12, you, you win. I said you, it's hard to uh, win your league in the first round. If you get Steph Curry at number number 12, you're winning your league. It's as simple as that. There is no reason for this. I think he has a career high in terms of scoring. He's going to hit a shit ton of threes. He's going to be efficient. He is, it's ridiculous. 16 for Damian Lillard. Um, I don't understand what's actually going on there. He is a first round guy without any shadow of a doubt. Kyrie Irving at 19. I think Kyrie is actually a first round guy this season. I think the situation in Brooklyn is actually more beneficial for him than where it was in Boston. Great efficiency numbers. He upped his assists and steals last year. I think that he is a first round talent this season, Kyrie. Brad Beal at 21. Now, I talked about players in worse situations earlier or last week, and I said Beal was one of those guys for the week in 37 minutes a night. But still, at 21, he's a pretty comfortable early to mid-second round guy, not a back-end second round player. So there's value there, much like there is with Drew Holiday. At number 26, that is way too low for Drew. He is on the cusp of being a first-round guy as the number one player for the Pelicans, he rebounds, he assists, he gets steals, he gets blocks, he's efficient, he will score a lot. They're going to play at the fastest pace in the NBA, and he's going to get a lot of minutes and a lot of usage. 26 for Drew Holiday, which is a third-round pick in most leagues, is bonkers, as is 29 for the general. General Soreness, Jimmy Butler, he moves from a situation in Philadelphia where he had to share touches with Simmons and Embiid, and Tobias Harris came on later, JJ Redick getting his shots. He goes to Miami to share touches with Kelly Olynyk with Goran Dragic. Like, Jimmy Butler is going to come out here. Look back to what he did in Minnesota and Chicago. Uh, last season, and this is, this is what's interesting. Last season in Philadelphia, he was the 23rd ranked player. So we're thinking that he's going to be worse this year. His last two seasons in Minnesota and Chicago, 14th and 14th, uh, where he's going to get a lot more ball handling this season. Look for his assist to push back up closer to five. He'll get his steals. He'll get his rebounds. He'll hit some threes, and I think he's going to do a shit ton of scoring. I really think that's a, a tremendous value for Jimmy Butler, as it is for Devin Booker at number 32. Yes, Ravishing Rick Rubio will take some of the assists away, but it's not going to matter. I think Booker could actually push close to 30 points per game, and he did so much last season. While actually not being that efficient, I think that will increase this season, and to me, he is a pretty clear second rounder, early second rounder rounder and not a guy that we're looking at here mid third round as this uh, rank would suggest next bunch of guys we look at Trey Young at 43 I think Trey Young is minimum top 25 probably top 20 he put up some massive numbers and like um 
like that guy that I just mentioned, I cannot remember his uh, name, oh, Devin Booker. Uh, Young was able to put up big numbers in the second half of last season without being overly efficient. It wasn't coming on a Derek Rose-like 45% three-point shooting stretch. He was doing it shooting 33% from three. If this comes to 36 or 37, then the top 20 is almost a guarantee. The Italian cock, the rooster, Danilo Gallinari coming in at number 56. Who is taking the shots on the Thunder? Who's taking them? It's going to be Gallinari. Now, I know the injury for him... Injury risk for him is a concern, but he played last season through most of the year, didn't have any torn ass issues as he had for the Clippers the previous season. Somebody has to take the shots for the Clippers, uh, for the Thunder, and it is going to be Danilo Gallinari. He was the 37th ranked player last season. Over the final two months, the 26th ranked player. And there's an opportunity for him to take more shots in Oklahoma City. That is crazy to me. Same as Jonas Valanciunas at 65. I saw when I talked about Valanciunas in yesterday's show, someone pushed back saying, oh, I think they'll really limit what Valanciunas does and really develop Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's all fine. And it probably makes sense. Then why did they pay him what they paid him? And that's where I look at, they obviously value having Valanciunas there there to come in and pay him $16 million a year for the next three years. He doesn't need to play 30 minutes a night to beat this value. If he plays 27 minutes a night, he beats this value. And I think he comfortably will do that. He's a he's a, uh, a monster scorer. He rebounds, he blocks shots, he's efficient. That That's crazy to me. As is D'Angelo Russell at 71, who will be significantly better than he was last year in Brooklyn. More minutes, going to take all the shots along with Steph in Golden State. Love him at 71, as I do with Derek Favors at 76, who was like the 90th ranked player last year in 23 minutes a night. And there is no way he plays just 23 minutes a night as a member of the Pelicans. Budrick Heald at number 80. Don't really get that at all. <clears throat> if Heald just gets his steal rate back to anywhere close to what it was in 17-18. He will push into the top 30. That's how good his scoring, his three-pointers were. He upped his rebounds and assists and had the steals fall right off. If that's back up, then the sky is absolutely the limit for Bud Heald. And Otto Porter at 82 uh, had a down year in terms of efficiency last year, also completely misused by Scott Brooks and had like a usage of 13. In Chicago, he can push to 18 or 20% usage, get that efficiency back up. And we're talking about a top 30 sort of a player, top 40 sort of a player. Him at 82, is uh, it's just theft, really, to get him at that, that spot. The next group of guys we're looking at, Lonzo Ball at number 90. Lonzo Ball, to me, is the starting point guard in uh, in New Orleans. I think we well, we did see an increase in his shooting last year. The free throw still remains uh, inexcusably bad. If that can get... like He shot 66 or 67% at UCLA. There's no reason for him to be like a 40% free throw shooter. So there is still room for that to get better. I don't get it, but it still can get better. Three-point shooting improved. Now he comes to New Orleans where he's not having to play in a LeBron offense. I think the assists go back up. The blocks and steals are excellent. He rebounds the ball well. To me, he's a pretty clear top 60-ish type of guy, not a guy at number 90. Robert Covington, ESPN just hates this bloke. I don't understand why. He will very easily be a top 50 guy. They've got him at 104. That's nonsense, as is Mitchell Robinson at 106. Now, there's a risk that in some leagues, Robinson gets drafted too high. I've seen people talk about him being a borderline first-round guy or an early second-round guy. I I don't want to take him in that area because I think if he's going to stay on the court more, that means he's going to be less aggressive defensively and that's going to limit his block numbers, which we see that correlation all the time. Players who get into foul trouble and they have high block rates, the more they stay on the court, their block rate decreases as they don't jump for as many blocks. And that's something, it's either going to happen either way. He either gets those blocks and stays on the court for limited minutes or we see him, and this happened at the end of his last like 10 or 15 games of last season, his block rate went from 5.9 per 36 down to 4.1 per 36 as he started to play 30 minutes a night. We've also got Professor data with so many options at center there that he's almost undoubtedly going to dick him around. Now, I'm not as worried about the dicking from Fizdale as many people are. You see people go, I'm not going to take Robinson because Fizdale is going to screw him. 
there is that risk. I, I don't think that's as big of a problem as what people are making it out to be. I think we still might get 28 to 30 minutes of Mitchell Robinson. That doesn't mean I'm taking you at pick number 14, but I'm sure as shit taking him well above pick 106. To me, he is a third round player. Probably it could make the justification for second round in many cases as well. Karis Levert at number 120. This is a bloke who at the beginning of last season before his dislocated ankle was the best player on the Nets without question, better than D'Angelo Russell and was looking at like a top 70 type season. Kyrie here is puts a little bit of a dampener on that, but Levert was excellent in the playoffs. He's still just 25 years of age. This is going to be a breakout season for Levert and that's value there, as is ravishing Rick Rubio at number 123. Rubio saw his assist rate really crater as a member of the Utah Jazz because of the way Quinn Snyder runs things. He's in Phoenix now, so I think we're going to see those assist rates, uh, that assist rate jump back up. The minutes are going to be there for Rubio. We're not looking for scoring or uh, hyper-efficiency, but assists and steals with some rebounds. Rubio, I love him at 123. And Brook Lopez, it is inexcusable to have Brook Lopez ranked at 129. It makes absolutely no sense at all. He should be in the 50 to 60 type of range. Yeah, 75 at an absolute worst case scenario. It is, uh, it, it makes, there's no, there's no reason for it. It is absolutely piss poor to have him that level. Thomas Bryant at 131, another guy like Lopez who's going to be cracking the top 60 sort of an area. No one's taking those minutes from Tom Bryant in Washington, so he is going to get unfettered access to minutes. Now, Scott Brooks, much like, uh, David Fisdale, you know, refused to play Bryant even when there were no other options there, but he's going to have to play him more this season at center. They just paid him, so we're going to see more minutes, I think, from uh, Big Tom Bryant. Let's flick through the next bunch of these guys. Bam Bam at a bio. Bam Bam! Bam Bam! 134, again, ludicrous. You can just really smash these back end of the rankings here for ESPN. Bam's a top 50 candidate for this season. Dario Saric at number 140, the starting power forward of the Phoenix Suns. I don't think he's going to be a top 60 or 70 guy, but there's still definite value in him at number 140. And of course, my man, Derek White at 147. I think White is a top 100 guy. Lock it in. Um, no no problem with that. Tomas Saturansky at 153. I think he'll be the bull starting point guard. He's efficient. He gets assists. He can get steals. He can hit threes. Love it. Ubre and McCole Bridges. I don't actually care which one of these guys starts, but having Ubre at 155 and Bridges at 163, unlike the DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen pairing, where ESPN somehow has both of those guys ranked too high. Ubre and Bridges, they're both ranked too low, and it doesn't matter who starts. I think they both exceed this value pretty comfortably. And uh, my guy, Johnny Isaac of the Orlando Magic, Isaac heading into his third year. We know if those steals go back up from where they were as a rookie and where they were at Florida State, then he is going to be pushing the top 50. You would never draft him in the top 50. You get him in those later sort of rounds. But we saw a real improvement in him last season as he played basically a full season. I think he can be at least minimum top 75 type of a guy, increase his scoring, get that triple one. Maybe he he could challenge a triple one and a half, which is not something we see all that often. But I love John Isaac this season as, as a later round player. And just to wrap, uh, well, not wrap things. I've got a couple more lists here. Zachy Collins at 168, the starting power forward for the Portland Trailblazers. Bargain if you're getting him in the last round. Marcus Smart continues to just be underrated by uh, by these rankings on ESPN. He is a top 100 guy who can get steals, and they've got him at 170. I don't know which one's the most egregious in this list. There's a couple of real stinkers in this list. 173, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. 
easy top 100 pick to me. The Padawan, Colin Sexton at 175, you'll be well aware. I don't really think Colin Sexton is that good or his fantasy game is that good, but that's nonsense. And he needs to be taken 70, 80 spots ahead of that. Uh, Fanta Pants, Kevin Herter at number 180. I don't think his upside is anywhere near as high as Sexton or Gildas Alexander. But he is a standard league guy, as is Kavon Looney at 182, who's going to get the bulk of it. To have Kavon Looney at 182 and Willie Cauley-Stein back at 59 is a complete mis- mismatch of those rankings. Now, Looney isn't going to be 59, but he's going to be better than this. And Terry Rozier, not worth the contract, not as good as people think. Definitely better than 183rd, and I think he's a pretty comfortable top 80 player for this coming season in uh, in fantasy basketball. And uh, let's have a look. Oh. Just uh, dropped off my background there. Let's have a look at the last group of players. Some later round guys. Miles Bridges at 184. Theft. Got to put him onto your draft list straight away. He's a top 100 guy. Alex Len at 186. Not as much upside as Bridges, but definitely has value in that spot. DeJounte Murray is buried down at 235, as is D-Line Wright at 255. Both of those guys, especially D-Line, need to be standard league draftable guys. The Baconator, Dwayne Bacon at 374. He's going to get an opportunity to start in Charlotte, I believe. So he should be someone you're looking at as a late round flyer. Troy Brown in Washington at 388. I think he starts the season at small forward, can rebound, can pass a bit. Not flashy, not putting up big scoring numbers, but the opportunity for him will be there. And then lastly, for those deeper leagues, DRC Zaire Smith comes in at number 515, which means if he's at 515, ESPN is saying, and you can't even have 30-team leagues on ESPN, but if they did have a 30-team league, then even Zaire Smith wouldn't be considered an option in that sort of a league, which is ridiculous. He has a real opportunity. I think he's got first crack at being in the 10-man every night rotation for the Sixers, can get steals, can block shots, showed some ball handling at Summer League, can shoot a little bit. I think that that's ridiculous to have him at number 518, oh, sorry, 515 for this season. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, either tweet at me or in the comments here on YouTube. Who do you think I'm wrong about in terms of having too high, too low? Is there someone else on ESPN that you think is ranked either too high or too low? If you've got drafts coming up, use these numbers to smash your opponents and really kill them in terms of that value because there's a lot here that is just way, way off. Don't make the mistake of being set on auto and getting one of those really poor uh, poor picks in terms of you know, Willie Cauley-Stein at 59, for example. You don't want to be stuck with something like that. Subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify and, of course, on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell button. Give me a thumbs up. And, of course, leave a comment. It's a great way to interact with me and get some thoughts of get your own thoughts out there. Um, follow me on Instagram. Instagram as well at Locked On Fantasy Basketball and on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Jamal Crawford.